Good morning, church. Once again, it's, uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, today, I'm glad you are, are watching. This, this morning, we are continuing on in our series where we're looking at different psalms, which we've been doing all summer. And today, we find ourselves in Psalm 62. Psalm 62. So go ahead, and if you've got a Bible at home or have an app on your phone, go ahead and pull Psalm 62 up, and we'll jump into that here in a second. But I want to start by really um, just um, identifying and, and really um, just uh, talking through some of the issues um, that are going on in the world right now, right? And really more less about the actual issues and what they are actually doing to us. Like uh, the year 2020 has been a beast so far for anybody really in the world, but especially our country. And even um, recently in our city, in our own backyard, there are some... Um, there's some, some, uh, some fighting, there's some disunity, there's, there's a lot of that going on in our world right now. And these things at, uh, with COVID and, and the different viewpoints on things, at best, as we um, live in this world, they're a distraction, right? Like that's best case scenario, these things are very distracting to us. And at worst, they produce panic, high levels of anxiety, fear, anger, hopelessness. Um, these are the things that... Um, we are fighting in our world, and studies um, that are coming out now are showing this. Um, medical journals and psychological journals, and these, these things are showing that we are struggling right now as a country um, in the area of really mental health and other things as well. I think we, we all know and get it that it's easier to trust God and follow God when things in our world are, are favorable, right? When things are normal, when things are good. And we, we, for the most part, live in a country um, that, for, for most people, um, we have um, favorable conditions usually. But that is not the case this year, it seems like. Now, if you're watching this and you are uh, not a follower of Jesus, you don't consider yourself a Christian, I'm really glad that you're watching. One, uh, a couple questions I want to put before you to think about as we walk through this psalm today. Number one, um, what are you doing with all the feelings that are probably coming up inside of you? Where are you, where are you going? How are you handling those things? Because I know that's questions I've been asking myself, and I know people within the church are also asking those questions. And then whatever you answer for that question, how, how's that working, right? Like, like how are you feeling based off of um, the things you're looking to for hope, uh, the things you're trusting in, right? Like how, how are those things working? Are they delivering on the expectations you have of them. So be thinking about those two things as we walk through this psalm. So this is how this works in my life, right? Um, and, and I've been, been thinking a lot about this the last couple of weeks, and um, I felt overwhelmed <clears throat> a lot of, um, there's a, a lot the past several months, right? Things that I see, things that I hear, things that I read, um, it causes me to be Overwhelmed, And I begin to first feel it in my mind. My mind starts racing. I start thinking. And then I start to feel it in my body, right? Tent, tense shoulders, tightness there, uh, tension headaches, uh, maybe some upset stomach, uh, just overall fatigue and tiredness. Um, and um, by the way, like when you're facing anxiety, you're going through those things. One uh, thing to realize is that those things that we're feeling affect our bodies. Right, so if if at some point you started in the last six months um, having um, back issues or stomach problems or just overall fatigue, it may be because 
you've, you're more anxious now than you've been in a long time, where there's some deep fear going on that's now presenting itself in your body. And when we, we feel those things, we start to think about those things, we don't like those feelings. So we start to go look for other solutions, right? We want to look for things to trust in, looking for something to grab onto that we can put some hope in to make ourselves feel better. Sometimes we look to things that are are, are, are more destructive, right? Like I, uh, I tend to want to just escape by watching more television or um, eating foods that I know I shouldn't eat, aren't good for my body, but they, they, they taste really good in the moment. And for a little bit, it'll make me feel better. But I think what we should be doing is looking deep within us to our souls. And that's the soul is, is, uh, is really the topic of this psalm. When the Bible talks about our souls, it's really referring to the, the deepest part of who a human being is. Their essence is, is, is deep and is as far down as we can drill inside of a human being. There you will find the soul. And the, the voices that we have going on inside of us, really deep inside of us, will, will uh, kind of tell us, especially in these times, we must have this or we're just not going to make it. Or this has to happen or these people have to understand this, or life will end, or life will not be the way I want it to be. And Christians, uh, we know and we, we say and we assent to the idea that God is enough, right? God is enough. We should trust him above everything else. But let's be honest, uh, for most of us during this season, if we had a transcript of the voices that were playing in our head and the things that we're feeling, those things wouldn't come out as trusting God. They would be opposed to trusting God. It wouldn't be uh, the way things would be if we were really trusting God. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, we're going to address this problem today. We're going to address it. And we're going to look at this psalm. David wrote this psalm, King David. And he wrote this when he was going through a, an extreme season of suffering and anxiety. A season that, that most of us will never experience. See, David's son, um, Absalom, um, had a good relationship from, from, all, um, from, from what it looked like. And then Absalom um, murdered someone. And this person that he murdered deserved it. I'm not going to get into it. It's pretty graphic. We don't have time for that. But he deserved it. But nonetheless, he murdered someone kind of out of vengeance. And so he flees. He flees away because he knows people are going to come to him and try to punish him for murdering this person. Well, while he's away, while, while Absalom's in the wilderness, and, and some, some people go out to him, and he uh, gains a little bit of a following, and he starts to think, well, David shouldn't be king. I should be king. And so he, he gains enough momentum and enough, enough people around him to come back into um, um, where David was at, serving as king, and basically overthrow him. And so David has to flee for his life into the wilderness, and that's when he wrote this psalm. Okay, so he, he, he really gives us the solution um, to, to, to how to deal with where we find ourselves in this season. So we're going to listen and read a psalm from a person who knows what we are going through. Okay, so let's jump in. Psalm 62, verse 1. Um, I'll read verse 1 and 2. This, these are the, the verses that we're going to spend the most time on. These serve as kind of the thesis or the main idea for the psalm. For God alone, my soul waits in silence from him comes my salvation he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress i shall not be greatly shaken so let's talk through this a bit first thing he says is for god alone he's kind of singling out everything else right for god alone there's no one else 
That's his focus, right? And he says, my soul waits in silence. My soul waits in silence. So um, this is silence, kind of internal silence. When we hear silence and think about that, we need to think of the silence of the soul. This tranquility, this peace, this rest that we all desire. That's what um, David is saying that he's waiting for God for. He's waiting for God to be able to still his soul, to be quiet. Then he says next, from him comes my salvation. And really, this is the why, right? This is why he's able to come to God and be restful and have peace. Is because God is the source of his salvation. He's the source of everything good that David has. And the scriptures uh, describe David as being a man after God's own heart. So it would be, it's not shocking that David says this. But for us, those of us who are in Christ, God saves us. He's our salvation uh, from our sin and from um, eternal separation from God. And in this salvation that comes through the, the person and work of Jesus, we receive faith and hope and love amongst many other things. So we can say the same thing that David says here. We can say that God is the source of, my, my, of our salvation. We trust in him in this way. Look at verse 2. Um, the next statement, he alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Now, we don't usually use words like rock and fortress in our normal language when it comes to these, these, these uh, places of refuge, places of, of shelter. Um, and, and that's what David's talking about here. Remember, he's out in the wilderness. He's running. He's on the run. He's just trying to live to the next day. And when you're out in a wilderness where it's flat, you, big rocks that you could hide behind where people can't see you from a long ways away, those are your, your best friend out there, right? Um, and uh, he also says fortress, and I think we understand the idea of fortress uh, from either the Old Testament or movies, right? Fortresses were built and designed uh, specifically for refuge, specifically to keep a, a, a people secure. Now, for us, this would be words like house or shelter in these parts of the country, right? Tornado shelter. Um, we have closet. You could have a tent when you're hiking. If you're hiking way far out of in, in kind of rural areas, I guess you could have, find caves, right? Maybe if you're in the mountains. But this is uh, what David is doing here is he's kind of connecting physical um, salvation and shelter, what he's doing in his life. But he's also saying, God, you're my spiritual shelter. You're my refuge. You're my, you're my spiritual fortress for my soul. Then he says, I shall not be greatly shaken. Interesting here, he says, greatly shaken and not just shaken. I think there's something in that that says we're all going to be shaken. We're all going to be shaken at one point or another, but he says, I will not be greatly shaken. I think there's something to that. And, that, and so now that's the, really the first benefit that he's receiving here, right? Like because of who God is, because of David's trust in him, he won't be greatly shaken. And there's a confidence that I think David has writing this, even when the world around him, his son is trying to kill him. And he's, yet he's saying, I will not be greatly shaken. So David knows these truths about God, right? Before he even writes this psalm. But what he's doing here is he's preaching to himself, knowing he's in a tough spot. He's in the wilderness. There would be, there would be plenty of um, um, occasions in this season of his life to trust in other things, right? To look to other things to save him. But he has this, this peace and this rest that, that God um, is his salvation and is his refuge in this. So he's kind of preaching to himself and reminding himself that he kind of knows it up here, 
but he knows in this season where he's at, he really needs to know it at a deep level where it can actually give him peace and stillness and rest. Um, now listen to verse 5 here. David goes back once again to what he wrote in verse 1. You'll hear echoes of that. It's kind of a back and forth. Um, I should, sorry, I'm sorry. I skipped over that. Verse 3, I should say. Verse 3. Uh, we'll get to verse 5 here in a second. Verse 3 um, says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall or a tattering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. And that Selah there means just rest or kind of reflect on in this particular part of the psalm. So now David flips here to kind of comparing what trusting in God looks like in his experience there to his experience trusting in the things of the world and specifically other people. And here he says, um, how long will all of you, probably in his mind, this is Absalom and the, man, and the men around Absalom who are pursuing him, but he's saying, not only are you pursuing me and trying to, to, to end my life more than likely, but you're doing it when I'm, I'm at my weakest, I'm running around in the wilderness. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of naked out here, so to speak. And yet you are trying to take my life. This is what he means by leaning wall, right? Or tattering fence. It's, it's people who take advantage of people when they're at their weakest. And they attack when someone can't stand up from themselves. And so he's here comparing. The big point, idea is he's comparing what it's like to trust in God to trust in people. And he's saying we should not trust in people, especially as it relates to our trust that we should have in God. Verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. You can almost hear the, the posture of worship here when David says, O my soul, wait in silence. Again, he's, there's repetition here. He's reminding himself. And we see another benefit here. He says, for my hope is from him. So in verse 2, he says, I will not be greatly shaken. And now he says, for my hope is in him. So we're seeing the benefits that David is getting from seeking God in this season. And verse 6, once again, kind of echoes from verses 1 and 2. He alone, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Very similar to what he said earlier. But he changes a little bit here in verse 8. He says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. First time in the psalm where David isn't talking to himself or talking to God. He's actually not talking to others. right? He's talking to other people and he's encouraging them to put their trust in God. I think it's interesting here. He's waited until verse 8 to actually kind of exhort and encourage other people. And I think the lesson there is we need to find peace we need to find, um, we need to work through and get through times of suffering and, and have a belief that God is faithful and is going to get us through that before we can help other people, right? And so I think this is a good lesson for us to see that really if we're going to lead people and we're going to influence people and encourage people, we need to have found um, some measure of that ourselves. And one way to, I think, think through this is through um, this idea of anxiety and kind of your relational your relationships in your life. So take a family dynamic or a marriage dynamic or even a, 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 a co-worker dynamic, let's say. And, and when you are interacting in those relationships, you can either be a, a calm presence or you can be an anxious presence, right? And you, it's really either or, right? You're either going to go into that relationship dynamic and create peace and calm, or you're going to go into that and create anxiety and strife and just get kind of people worked up. And so I think 
just that's a, that's I think something to remember and keep track of and, and 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 reflect on is are we living as people who are calm, peaceful presences and not um, uh, people who are bringing anxiety into the relationships that we are in. And really, verse eight serves as our application, right? If there was an application verse in this psalm, it would be this. He's telling us, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. Share your anxiety. Share your fears. Share your worries. Tell him that you're hopeless. He's not saying just talk to him. It's like pouring out your heart. There's some depth to that 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 David is encouraging us to do and take those things to God. Verse 9. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. And really all he's saying here, you can imagine that that scale picture he gives us here. And even the things that are esteemed and are of value in the world and the things that maybe aren't esteemed and aren't of value in the world, they're all just a breath. Right? They're all just a, a mist, as the other places in the scriptures say. Right, the, he, What he's trying to get us to understand is we should hold the things of this world loosely. Right? Even the really good things of this world, they're like a breath. They're here, and then they're gone. So don't put your trust in those things. Don't be influenced by those things um, because they're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. They're, they're weightless in comparison to God. Verse 11 and 12. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. And he he ends the psalm by kind of remembering two character qualities about God. Number one, it says that um, power belongs to God, meaning that he's powerful. And in this kind of family of of power, you you have sovereignty, and um, he's strong. He's able to execute righteous justice. Um, in the world. And then on the other hand, you have steadfast love that David recalls. This is because God is loving and he's gentle and he's tender like a good father and he's kind. So David, once again, is remembering the characteristics and the nature of God, which again, just strengthens his trust and it strengthens, strengthens his foundation. I think the one thing I'm realizing um, this year, what's happened to me is that my faith has been tested. And my faith has been tested in, in 2020 so far. And um, really more importantly or more specifically, what I tend to find um, trust in, where I look to for trust. Like I, I, where, where I look to find security and hope and joy. And it's really exposing the things in my life that I love a lot more than God. Especially when I'm in stressful seasons. Or especially when the ground feels a little shaky under my feet. And I know just from talking to, to many of you, and, and, and I think I would say most or all of you have experienced um, some measure of this, right? This, this, this idea that, that 2020 is exposing a lot of things maybe that, are, that have been underneath the surface for a long time. Questions like, do I put more trust in the comfort of living in this country? Or for the most part, I, I'm able to flourish. Um, do I put more trust in the ability for certain leaders or political parties to control and maneuver things that are happening in our country a certain way? Do I put more trust in, in, in approval of others than I do of God? Approval in the sense that I want my ideas to be heard and I really want my ideas to be agreed with. 
And so I'm going to pick the team on all these kind of debates going on in our world right now. I'm going to pick a team where I can be heard and I will be affirmed in my belief. And we put our, all of our trust in that, or that's the tendency that I think we're seeing right now. So when, the, when somebody who disagrees with us actually says something about it, we can't listen. We can't have empathy. We can't hear where they're coming from. It's just, hey, you're attacking the very thing that I'm trusting in. So what do we do? We lash out. We dismiss. We cancel them. We, we just, we, we don't even want to hear it because this is what we're trusting in. This is our God. And I think if we were to stay in the middle and be able to be the calm, peaceful presence that the world needs right now, um, it would help our world. And I think the way to do that is to actually trust and to remind ourselves that our trust should be in God alone. These things, trusting in these things, um, will eventually uh, lead to futility. Right? They will not hold up to the expectations that we are putting on them. Um, Romans 5, uh, 3 through 5, talks about suffering. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. So Paul is saying, hey, we should rejoice when we go through tough things, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And what this is, he's saying here ultimately is that when we have hope in God, we're not going to be ashamed of that. Because God will come through every time. He won't fail us. That's who he is. That's his character. He's perfect. Every person, including myself, systems, political parties, they are imperfect. They will let us down if we put our full trust in them. So this is why this is so important, to, to put our trust in. In God, And this suffering will produce a hope that we all want, that all human beings are looking for in one way or another right now. So the, here are the questions, just kind of as we kind of start to wrap, wrap this up. Are we going to allow what is happening in our country right now to really show us that trusting in anything other than God is really a, a, a futile exercise, right? It's, it, it's, it's not going to work. It's eventually going to show itself for what it's worth. Um, do we allow our anxiety, our fear, our anger, our discomfort to move us towards God like it was with David in his circumstances? Or are we going to kind of move away from God and look to other things for hope and for trust? Will we allow our souls to be quieted in God's presence? Because we all want that, right? We want our, our insides, our, 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 inter our internal life to be peaceful. We know that he's our salvation and our strength, and our refuge. I think a sign of growth and maturity for followers of Jesus is this growing hunger and thirst for God himself. And a couple of ways I think we can, we can kind of see this play out is let's take our prayer life. When we come to God in prayer, do we come to God uh, most of the time asking for things from God? Um, which, again, is, is okay. That's a part of prayer. But if that's the majority of what we're doing in prayer, we're coming to God wanting things from him, rather than just having a conversation with a, a heavenly father that we love and who loves us. Or maybe take Bible reading. We come to the scriptures just uh, wanting to grab a quick, um, quick bit of truth, or uh, we're, finding, we're looking for a verse, or we're confused about something, and we come to the scriptures to get something from it and then kind of leave. Again, some of that's okay, right? But as we grow and as we mature in our faith, the time that we come to God in the scriptures just to spend time with him, just to learn about his character, 
to continue to dive deeper and deeper into that pool to understand who God is and his character and his nature, not to get anything from him, but just to be with him. So over time, our prayer life and our, our time in the word, they, the, we should, the, the times of us coming to him just to be with him should replace um, the times when we come to him just kind of to get something really quick from him. Again, that's not all the time bad, but I think that's a good measurement uh, of kind of how we're doing in this area. And last, I want to address non-believers, and then we'll close. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. If you're someone who maybe doesn't go to church regularly or someone who just doesn't consider yourself a Christian, uh, I just want to say to you, and this is something that's kind of been on my heart the last couple of weeks, during this time, um, Christians can, uh, because we're all imperfect, including myself, we can say some things that are um, ungodly. We can act ungodly. So please don't um, view or make a, a decision uh, about Christianity based off our, uh, God's people first and foremost, right? Look to Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, the things he said, the things he did, the promises that he fulfilled, the fact that he rose from the dead, died, rose from the dead, and is still alive, the only human being in history to ever to do that, right? And there's plenty of proof for that. So if you're struggling about trust and anxiety and fear, and you're looking for something to grab onto or grasp, please look to Jesus, and if, if you've heard something that a Christian has said that's been ungodly, tune that out for the moment. I hate to have to say that, but we're all imperfect. We all say things that we, 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 would, we wish we could take back, right? Look to Jesus and um, trust in him. David trusted in God. There are many people probably around you or in churches that trust in Jesus because he's, he's worth it. You can put our trust in him. And I'm going to read this passage to close. This is maybe my favorite passage in all the scriptures. Um, Romans 8, 31 through 39. If Paul was writing his Psalm 62, this would be it. This would be it. Um, verse 31, Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him, Jesus, who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's not an amen there, but there should be an amen there. Here's what I want us to do. Go to him. Spend time with him. Um, pour out your hearts to him. Um, when you're struggling... Just trust that you can go and be in your presence and ask him to quiet your soul. Ask him to give you the peace inside of you that you long for right now. Learn about him. Spend time with him. Take advantage of God revealing some of the things that are deep down that I've talked about today, even in my own life, and take those to God. And let's use this season to, um, to deepen our relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to first pray for those um, who are um, 
you're not um, Christians or followers of you, I pray that they would know that um, if you're doing something in their in their in their uh, minds or their hearts right now, they can uh, they can come to you and they can say, God, I, I believe, or God, help me with my unbelief, or God, I believe this but not that, and they can come to you and you'll listen and you'll hear. And I pray that those people would talk to people around them that they that are churchgoers or Christians, and I pray that they would know that um, they can just uh, rest and trust um, in you. I pray for all of us that we would use this opportunity, use the thing, God, things that God is revealing inside of us to go to you so that we can be refined, so we can be sifted, and we can, um, through this season, like Paul said in Romans 5, that this suffering would eventually lead to hope. And I pray that you would do that in our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Before I close, um, uh, with a uh, kind of our benediction, I just want to... Um, I just want to say that if you have questions, if you're maybe the first time you've watched us, you've been watching us, and God's doing something in your heart, please uh, uh, message us on, on, on Facebook or, or there, there's an email on the, web, uh, email on the website, your phone number. Um, you can get a hold of us in, in a multitude of ways, and, and we're open. Right? We're open. We want to talk. We want to process with you. This is a safe place to doubt and wrestle with uh, maybe something you've heard today. So I want to close with this. This is our benediction. This is just uh, kind of God sending us forth um, through this week. And we've, we've, we've kind of learned from him today. We've worshiped him today. And now this is a verse that uh, we want to hear from him, his word. And then this is to kind of send us out. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Uh, thanks for joining us. We love you all. Have a great week.